Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. A mobile phone app to assist with the process of contact tracing will be introduced here next month. And the HSE said people will have to opt in uh, to use the app and discussions about how it will operate are continuing with the Data Protection Commissioner. Now, but privacy experts say there needs to be more transparency about the development of the app to ensure public support. They believe that unless the HSE can guarantee the trustworthiness of the app, it won't be effective because people won't use it. Experts say that this uh, was not just a software project, but a social project. Now, contact tracing technology is already being trialled at Beaumont Hospital in Dublin and the Close Encounters app, that's the name of it, by the way, the Close Encounters app, is using Bluetooth to anonymously log interactions between staff. If somebody tests positive for COVID-19, for example, the app alerts those who have been in close contact with that person. Developed by the software developers machine.ie, the app is designed for use in a work setting and its creators have worked on it on a pro bono basis following a request from a consultant in the hospital. Dr. Owen Debarra, infectious disease consultant at Beaumont Hospital, said that while the app is in its early stages, it could help enhance the established system of contact tracing. He said that as a social distancing and hospital environment is difficult and because healthcare professionals have a high volume of contacts throughout the day, this technology could assist the hospital in uh, tracking and containing a potential spread of the virus and maybe possibly a second wave if that was going to happen. So today I want to talk about the app itself that alerts you basically if somebody nearby has tested positive, would you use it? Um, some people say that while it is has clear benefits for contact tracing, it definitely has privacy issues and privacy concerns and they worry that this, uh, that this test positive could be seen as a social pariah of some sort. In other words, just because you've tested positive for coronavirus, you might not actually be showing any symptoms, but in saying that you could, could become a social pariah. And I remember, I think it was Ingrid Miley said at an RTE, we should treat people somewhat as social pariahs to stay away from them, I suppose. Now, today I want to know and get your thoughts on this app. Would you sign up for this particular app so you would know if somebody in your area had it or close to you, or if indeed you had it yourself, that you would be alerting other people that you might have it and could pass it on to them. And uh, Let me know what you think. The number is 87 That's 087-188-0008. Uh, I want to know by WhatsApp or text, would you sign up and would you use this particular app? Or do you believe it goes a little bit too far. Now, on the line to talk to me more about the concerns in relation to this is TJ McIntyre, who's the Chair of Digital Rights Ireland and a UCD lawyer. Good afternoon to you, TJ. Good afternoon, Mel. I'm sorry about the long intro and keeping you waiting for so long, but it was just something I had to get off my chest there, some of the observations over the weekend. But in relation to this app, I mean, have I described really how this app works? Because there's two ways I see it work, and one is in relation to the government using it for contact tracing. So, in other words, you present with COVID-19, they can look at your app and see who you've been in contact with or who, by Bluetooth, who's been the closest person to you over the last, you know, 10 days or whatever. And the other way it works is if I'm walking around the street, I can see if there's somebody close to me who has it so I can avoid them. So, what, what is the intention of the app? I think what you've described there, your first description is accurate. I don't think... Anybody is suggesting that the second description that uh, people will be able to see live who has uh, the scarlet letter of infection. Um, that's not something that's being suggested really in any of these apps. Because they did that um, in Singapore, didn't they? They, they? they signed up to an app. So if you were walking down the street or in a shop and somebody else had it close to you, you it came up. Now, it didn't tell you who it was, but it just said somebody was within the area and you could avoid that then. Well, the Singapore model is very, very different because they publish details there that essentially let you identify even individuals right. and who are affected. 
Um, and obviously that's clearly not a model that we want to be following in this country. No, people are getting beaten up all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, and certainly not the model that's been proposed by either the HSE or um, Beaumont in this case. Yeah. So in relation to the app, what are the concerns or what are the privacy issues in relation to this app? Well, if we just talk about the HSE app, um, the problem is we just don't know because we've had no transparency about exactly how it's proposed that it would operate. So we haven't any details of the source code that would let us look at how it operates. We haven't had a, a data protection impact assessment that would tell us what information it collects and how it would use it. Um, the HSE has um, been in apparently informal discussions with the Data Protection Commissioner, but not the formal um, consultation that would be required. So the short answer is we really don't know. And my concern is that this lack of transparency means two things. One, it means that the finished product we get is probably going to be less effective than it might be if it had been properly consulted about. But two, people will not want to use it. People will not want to use it if it's unworkable. They won't want to use it if there's concerns about it. And I think we need more transparency to allay those concerns now. Because technology is something people are always very fearful. I mean, lo- we love technology. We use it to the best of our ability. And, and you know, we use it at our own discretion. In other words, as long as we're happy enough with it. But we're always concerned about, I suppose, the inverted commas, the big brother. Now, I know in the UK recently, um, the UK government linked up with O2 to try and figure out the movement of people as swarms, I suppose. You know, and they got data from O2. And there was huge concerns about that data and how anonymous that data was. But in relation to Bluetooth, my iPhone, for example, comes up on other people's phone as Niall's iPhone. So I don't know what information apart from that they would be able to get. And if they were able to get some sort of cookie information, is that my private information? Well, I suppose there are two questions here. Um, One is the question of how do you go about collecting information on how everyone is doing, what they're doing. And the answer to that, you can really do it one of two ways. You can do it on the device itself. So this is information that stays on your phone and it never gets accessed unless either you're diagnosed with COVID-19 or else somebody um, with whom you've been in contact has been diagnosed and at that point it gets handed over for the contact tracing process. Oh, I get that's you, one I get way you. of doing it. Right. So, and that's, it's, um, so in other words, if I install the app on my phone as a fit and well person, it's monitoring me, uh, similar to my location is monitored on, on my phone. And if indeed I ever get coronavirus or somebody close to me gets it, well, then my phone has information as to where I was, how many people I was in contact with, etc. So they find it easier rather than using my memory. Exactly. That's exactly it. And in fact, that's the model that both Apple and Google have developed. So they've developed a model that they will roll out into the operating systems of iPhones, of Android phones. They will make it available for health authorities to use. The second way you can do it is you can have a centralized model where every phone reports back every day to uh, central authorities in the HSE, for example, and that central authority stores all this information about literally everybody, where they were, with Mm. whom they were in contact at every point during the day. And that's obviously much more invasive. It's much more prone to attacks that sounds, by hackers. That sounds dangerous, just you saying that, by the way. But I mean, for, well, a lot, for a lot of people listening, they think, okay, that sounds dangerous. So that, that them, They know that much about me, you know what I mean? Well, I think the problem here is we don't know, as I said, exactly what the HSE is planning to do. But so far, it appears that they're planning to go with the centralised model. And I think there's two risks there. One is the trust issue, as you point out. This is dangerous. It's not the way we prefer to do it as privacy professionals. But the second problem is that there's a technical knock-on effect from that, which means that it won't actually work very well. So you've probably noticed if you have your phone um, 
most applications on your phone will shut down when you're not using your phone. They don't run in the background the whole time, eating up your battery life. With the, with the um, exception of the emergency one, which you, your phone can be actually turned off and you can still call emergency services. So that, that's the only exception to that, yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, that's something that, that may be different depending on phone model, but without getting into that point, um, if you think about your, your iPhone, for example, um, when it's locked, most background processes are turned off. Okay. That's necessary to save, men, um, to save battery life. Um, it's also necessary to... Um, protect your privacy because otherwise your phone would be indiscriminately broadcasting details of you over Bluetooth locally. So Bluetooth services, which is what these apps are going to use for tracking, are generally turned off when a phone isn't actually in operation, when it's locked and it's in your pocket. Now, the problem with the HSE proposals are is they? that... But I, I don't know about that, TJ, because if my phone is uh, on lock screen, which it is now at the moment, for example, right? I have my Apple Watch on, and if I get a text or a WhatsApp message, even though my phone is locked and, and closed, I still get it on my watch. So it is still sending messages, unless it's physically turned off. No, that's true. It sends yeah. messages to devices you've paired with. What the um, contact tracing app proposals are using is something called Bluetooth Low Energy, and the idea is that it will send out beacons okay. so that your phone will periodically ping other people's phones and vice versa, so that then later on we'll have a record of who was in proximity with who and have for how long. Mm-hmm. But within um, certainly recent Android releases and certainly iPhone um, releases, that's turned off by default okay. when your phone is locked. Now, what that means for the kind of apps that have been launched in Singapore, in Australia recently is that for them to work, you would have to, before you go out the door in the morning, go to the um, tracking app, open it, leave it on and leave your phone unlocked all day with screen on, battery being eaten up and so on by that. And that's something that's very inconvenient. It's not something people will want to do. No, I don't don't think anybody will do that. Yeah. Yeah, and we'd also, of course, interfere with things like making phone calls or playing games or reading the paper or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, so my concern is if you have a clunky solution like that, that is going to result in, again, very low uptake and use of this sort of app. Now, there's a way around that. The Google-Apple consortium on this issue have devised um, a solution where they will build in this technology into the operating system of the phone itself in a way that's very low impact on battery, etc. People won't need to physically turn it on so it'll be running continuously in the background. People will still choose whether or not to use an app or not. They will still, it will still be opt-in, but they won't need to consciously enable it every time they go out the door. Right. Um, and this would make it much more effective. But the problem there is Google and Apple have said they will make this technology available um, on a decentralized basis because they're very concerned that if this information was to be broadcast more generally, if it was to be stored in a centralized model, of the privacy implications that would right, have. Okay. And that that information would be worthless to, say, Beaumont Hospital or the HSE unless it had our names attached to it, because otherwise it's just anonymous information. So it would have to have some information about us, per se, which then gets us into another whole quandary of data protection then, doesn't it? Well, the, the approach that Google and Apple are taking and the approach of storing this information locally on the phone and then uploading it only when you've been in contact with somebody or you yourself are diagnosed... Um, it can do the same things in terms of assistant contact tracing. But it does it securely on the device itself rather than in one big centralized database. Right, okay. 
But what's, 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 your, what's your gut feeling? Sorry for interrupting you, TJ. But what's, what's your own personal gut feeling from what you've seen so far from this particular app, the Close Encounters app? What is your gut feeling about it? Do you think that it's a step too far? Or do you think, look, you know, at this particular time, it's uncharted territory. We've never been in this situation before. It's a kind of must. Properly implemented, a proximity tracing app could be very useful at this time. And I, I don't, I think it's important to remember what we're doing now isn't something we'll be doing for the next um, weeks um, or even the next few months. This is something that might well go on for 12 to 18 months. It's important we get it right. Um, in the Netherlands, they've already had to abandon several different plans for apps over concerns like this that come back to the drawing board. In Germany, they've abandoned the centralised approach of the kind that the HSE seem to be pushing at the moment in favour of the decentralised approach. My concern in Ireland is this, that the HSE will roll out a centralised product that doesn't work very well for the limitations I've said in terms of having to have your yes. phone screen on and mm-hmm. unlocked and so on. Um, and that will damage public take-up. But there, I, can t- I can tell you now from what you're describing that you would have to constantly click off your unlock screen or set your unlock screen not to go and lock your phone after whatever it is normally kind of 30 seconds when your phone goes back onto its lock screen again. People are not going to do that. They're going to be bothered. We're not going to get a second chance to launch this product. It's important we get it right at the outset. And this will literally save lives if it is done right. If you can get a, a significant take-up in the population of an app like this, it can significantly assist contact tracing. If you get a very low take-up, it's not going to have that effect. But here's, but here's the other concern people have too, right? So let's say we do this, uh, and let's say we have yeah, a fairly good take-up, and let's say it works quite well, right? And we can, you know, uh, if I get it tomorrow, for example, I go in and they have all my information, you know, who I've been with, who I've been close to, I've been close to Helena, my producer, and a couple of other people or whatever, right? And it makes everything better. So this goes away in, say, 16 months' time, 18 months' time, uh, coronavirus or COVID becomes history, we all hope. Um, although it may be around for decades with us, you know, lurking in the background. Will we then start using it for the flu? Will we then, will they say, well, listen, this worked so well, let's start using it for the flu as well. Let's show why not to use it for the common cold while we're at it. So, in other words, that's the concern for people that, you know, the, 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 the sky will fall in. And then all of a sudden, we'll, because we've now got the trust of the general public to use something that we would have never allowed before, or we would have never thought about. If you had said this to me 18 months ago, everybody would have said, absolutely no. So we wouldn't need to even agree to a public service card, for God's sake. But yet we're agreeing to this because of the times that there are. So in 18 months' time when this is gone, are we going to start using it for something else? Seems it's there anyway. And that's the concern of people too, isn't it? I think that's a real risk. And again, you get the design right at this stage. You make it decentralised, privacy protecting. People can use it on their phones in a way that doesn't broadcast all their details to a central server. I think you'll get the take-up then and people will voluntarily um, will be able to um, opt out of then later on as a threat diminishes. If you come up with a centralised solution now that spooks people um, and there's no clear indication when it's going to be turned off then yes, I think you're absolutely I, right. People might say no. Yeah, I would like to see Apple and Google, obviously Google doing the Android phones and Apple you know, obviously their own, their iPhones. I would like to see them, yes, let's put a date on this and let's say kind of February to 20, 2021 at that point the app will automatically stop working. So if they put it in, because I have also equal concerns about the fact that Apple and Google are involved uh, like most people would, of course, because our, our privacy is, is something that we're very cautious about. Um, but I would like to see a date of ex- expiry on this. And and if indeed we still have COVID-19 around then, that we could extend that date if possible or if need be. I think people would be more maybe in tune with it then. Maybe I'm wrong. You're absolutely right. In fact, Google and Apple have both said that this is to be a once-off um, limited to the this particular pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
But okay. again, as you say, the challenge will be making sure that actually uh, that promise is kept. That's the main thing, isn't it? But listen, it's interesting. And look, sure, if it works, it works. And if it saves lives, it saves lives. But we obviously have to be conscious of the future as well. Uh, that we're, obviously our privacy is not obviously um, taken away from us. Listen, thank you very much indeed and compromise. Uh, TJ McIntyre, who's the chair of the Digital Rights Ireland. Keep an eye out for the app. It's called the Close Encounters app um, and coming to a store near you probably soon. Let me go to Maliki. Maliki, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Maliki? Good afternoon, Niall. Uh, Maliki, uh, you know, I'm kind of in two minds, you know, everything to save lives, absolutely. Look, I'm all for saving lives and everybody is, right? But how far do we go? So we've lost our liberty already. Uh, most people are, are accepting of that within reason. Um, but now, you know, there's a suggestion of an app as well. Now, as TJ pointed out, this is not going to be somewhere you'll, you know, I'll see Maliki's walking down the road and he's COVID-19 so I can beat him up. But at least it gives hospitals some idea where you've been, Maliki, if you get it and who you've been close to. Well, what it does is it actually gives the state more control over your movements and where you have been. You know, and the only requirement in legislation currently to account for your movements is under the Offences Against the State Act. And now what we're actually saying is that all people must account for their movements. Because no, 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 it'll be an opt-in. Of course it'll be an opt-in, and then it'll be... It's like the public services card. That was an opt-in in the beginning, and then you found you couldn't get any benefits without it. Well, well that's still a problem, and, and you, you, the uh, European repertoire said during the week that... Our rapporteur, shall I say, said during the week that it's, it, it has become mandatory in Ireland, which he didn't accept. So, that, by the way, that, that story is still in the background there in relation to the public services card. Uh, yeah, the, gov- the government still haven't won that argument yet. No, but they've effectively, legally they haven't, but in reality they have. Because you can't get, for instance, welfare payments. Without it, you can't get a driving licence, you can't get a passport, or you can get a passport, but you can't get other documents. And in fact, it's not considered... ID acceptable to some other state institutions. But leaving that aside, people can voluntarily switch on location on their phones, which I would advise people not to do. They should automatically switch it off. Um, because we well, do, well, it depends on the app. It's useful well, on some well, apps. Well, I mean, if I, if I type into Google my nearest Chinese takeaway, for example, you know, if I don't have location on, sure, it'll give me one in the middle of New York somewhere. So, uh, you know, I mean, it is useful uh, for certain things. Well, they're now going to have to put it in within two kilometres. You see, what we're doing is we're giving the state more and more information. And the state is, for instance, if you ring any department of government, they'll ask you a whole raft of questions and then they'll tell you all about we can't answer this because of data protection. And, and, you know, it's used continually by banks and everybody else to refuse to give people um, their own information or information which they require to, to do their own business. And now people are, and people will sign up for this, have no doubt about it. I've never seen such an acquiescent um, so-called free people. Right throughout the, 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 the developed world, you have people acceding to every demand of government. Stay in your house. Ring the police if you see your neighbour 2.1 kilometres from the house. You know, and we're creating a fear factor, which in time we will know whether it's real or whether it's manufactured. We have, for instance, the latest threat from the government that the, the, the lockdown will continue if people don't do as they're told. If we don't behave ourselves, yeah. And yet, last week, Harris said that we will be sending kids back to school sometime in May for maybe a day here or, uh, here or there. So, you know, the reality is that this government, as usual, doesn't know what it's doing, has operated this whole process on spin and 
to give them the best image. We're told we've the best results in the world, and then when you look at them, you find you have. Well, we don't. We don't but, have the best results. No, nowhere but, near but, us. Yes, but no. But, but that's what they'd lead you to believe that we have beaten this. When in fact we haven't. As soon as we open the doors, if we come back, we've. See, we, but, we, yeah, but, but, but then hang on. It, well, then is the app you know at this current time, which is an unprecedented time? The point being made is yes. If somebody had to come along this time last year and said, "I've got a new app and it's going to tell the HSE where you've been, who you talked to, and who you've been close to," you'd say, "Not on my life would you be doing that to me? That's that breaches all my data. You know, that's my privacy." But yet we think at a time like this, when it's a national emergency, when people's lives are at stake, and for example, if I had COVID nineteen tomorrow and I went into hospital in a pretty bad way, and they could look at my phone and then look up their central system and say, "Well," Niall was talking to Malachi yesterday or he was talking to Helena the day before or Ashling, or whoever he happened to be with. Let's go and check them too. So at least the app, they don't well, rely on well, my well, memory. Well, then, well, or maybe I'm in such a bad way I can't talk. Okay, so, well, let's just take that from the other angle. They tell us, for instance, so many people died and so many people have contacted it yesterday, right? Yeah. They won't say, for instance, and, and just assume some places are open. I, I know they're not. Just taking an example... Um, when this started, the courts were still open, right? Say I'm down in court and somebody has coronavirus there. They don't, for instance, say somebody has contracted um, coronavirus in Dolphin House, right? And I can say to myself, well, I was there today, or I wasn't, right? Or I was there in the past two weeks. They don't say, for instance, a solicitor had it, or a barrister, or a judge, or somebody who walks there, and then you could say, well, I'm there, and they're there every day, so chances are I was in contact with them. If it was a, a client or a, 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 a litigant, you could say, well, they're only there one day, so I wasn't there on that day. So what and do you want them to do? The, do, you, do you want them to release that information? Well, I think that they should say, then you could go down a rabbit hole. Let's say, well, for example, four weeks ago before the lockdown, or four and a half weeks ago, five weeks ago before the lockdown, right? somebody in the Pavilion Shopping Centre who worked in the Pavilion Shopping Centre got yeah. it, right? If they turned around and said, well, Mary, who works in the Pavilion, uh, Pavilion Shopping Centre on the news, because I know we were only getting, there's been a case in the East, a case in the West, and that's the way, that, that's the very vague information we were getting. If they had to said, Mary in the Pavilion Shopping Centre got it, so how many people go into the Pavilion Shopping Centre every, every day? And then how many people know somebody who's gone in every day? And then you're going down a rabbit hole then, when, you know, when you start mentioning places or people or identifying places. Isn't that what Tracing's about? But, yes, that, you but know, to I, the individual, but not the, to everybody. The alternative is that the Mary... The, the, that you're speaking of, goes into the pavilion centre, doesn't know who she met in there, and you're relying then on people who were there that day who maybe have heard of her catching it, who know her. That doesn't give you the answer. Nor does the, the, this app, for instance. This no, app well, say no, it's she not was gonna, in the pavilion. It's not going to stop that. anybody getting it. I, I don't understand how it's actually going to stop anybody getting it. It's just another attempt. And I think when, when this is done and dusted, you know, there has to be a serious analysis of what has gone on. We have thrown the old people under a bus, literally, almost literally, because we decided that the establishment and the government decided at the beginning of this process that old people were going to get it. It was inevitable that they die. So on your bike. I don't think it was on your bike, but there wasn't priority given to homes. No, and, they, sh- and, they, sh- and they should have been. There should have been. The, the opposite to priority was given. And in fact, priority was given. Priority was given to say, we're not going to treat them people. We're not going to give them PPE. We're going to let them die. We're not going to take them to hospital even. And I think that 
that actually shows, it, it, and you know, I nothing that Harris would do would surprise me in the slightest because I think. Okay, uh-huh. well, well, hold your thoughts, your personal thoughts on Simon Harris. But, but I, and I do, I, but I would know he's, I mean, I'm not doubting the man is working hard and Leo Varadkar, although Simon seems to be around a lot more than Leo. Um, but yes, bad decisions have been made by both Leo and Simon. Also, good decisions have been made too. Well, only time will tell. If there's well, well, well time will tell. Time will tell. You know, but, but, but hang on, Malachi. I have to go to a break. Stay there for a second because I want to come back to the app as well. Loads of people are texting in and WhatsApping in. Would you be willing to sign up to an app that if indeed you did have coronavirus, um, that the HSE then would be able to use your app uh, as long as everybody else was using it because it would only work if loads of people started using it uh, to contact trace anybody that you might have been in contact with? Jesus, Niall, please. Don't let the tinfoil hatters get on talking shite about government watching this, watching that. This is for the greater good of all. Come on. The greater good of all. What do you think? 087-188-0008. Absolutely not. I would take the app and I would use the app uh, if it saved lives. Well done, Niall, on what you were saying uh, today and what Maliki is saying. No way would I sign up for this app, says Maraid and Galway. The person says the app is the new national ID card. Says Aidan and Gawi. I find it surprising, by the way, that they couldn't do the yeah the national ID card, but they can do this. Uh, Frank, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Frank? Royal, how are you doing? Um, Frank, I mean, a lot of people are saying, yeah, look, I'm all for saving lives. You know, I'm playing along here. I'm not going out. I'm staying at home. I'm washing my hands. But now they want me to use an app that tells me, tells everybody where, oh, well, the HSE and the government, where I've been. Yeah, rightly so, yeah. Okay, and why rightly so? Rightly so. Listen, Royal, I am so sick of listening to crap from people. Maliki there waffling there about the state watching you. He's not living in feckin' 80s Russia or something. Or Yankee land way of the CEO. Yeah, he's living in little 26 counties of Ireland, all right? The people really don't care. Where are they going to watch them? Where are these ordering his pizzas from? No, but get he's it. but he's concerned. But but hang on, get a grip, man. No, no, hang on, but, but no, no, hang on a second. Within reason, everyone has a right. If you want to, you know, surrender your privacy, that's fine. Listen, Noel, all our rights. But other people, but window. some people don't want to surrender that. All right. our rights went out the window, Noel, when a virus pandemic hit this country. All right, everything we knew, Noel. Your rights. Is to, well, hang it's on, with the respect, you're Frank. Page. Your rights don't go out the window. You still have rights, Noel. Listen, if people want to go out and get COVID and drop off and die, let them. But people that's abiding by the rules. Now, another thing there, Noel, and I'm going to be honest with you, the only people that ever have a problem with the state watching people or the law bringing in new laws is scumbags and people that have to hide from the law. The normal average law-abiding citizen doesn't fear anything, Noel, because they've nothing to fear. So you have you, have, you so if the app came out tomorrow, Frank, you, you'd sign up. Absolutely no problem with it. And you've all, I, I was laughing at the chap there that says the earlier on with the tinfoil hats on them. He's absolutely bang on there. At the Irish Noel are just gobshites when it comes to everything. That's all. And there, I was listening to Maliki there having a pop at Simon Harris there. The usual crap about people lashing Simon Harris and Leo out of it. There's absolutely no one else there, Noel, that we have in any party that can run this kip any better than what them agents are running it. So let's get that clear now. None of them. 
And I, and how do you feel about the strategy we have taken towards COVID? Absolutely, I think it's perfect. And see the Norson homes, Noel. My opinion on the Norson homes is, and it's sad to say, I think that virus has been in the Norson homes since around the Christmas time. Probably right. Probably and has. I think it's ran right long before we had it. Because I'm telling you, a lot of people in this country, Noel, has had that before Christmas. Let me tell you. I, I would I would suggest you're probably right, and I think the experts have already said this that the COVID nineteen has probably been with us since late December. In fairness, Noel, we closed down. We done things pretty quick here. Now, in fairness, look at the UK. So what? So what happens? What happens on May the fifth, Frank? When and, and we can see, you know, there's a national frustration, and I can understand that as human beings, isolation doesn't sit well with us, right? No. So May the fifth comes along. You know, you've got. Mary in her house or in her apartment with three kids, maybe in temporary accommodation. You know, you've got John who's isolated with his mother. You've got all different circumstances out there of people who are getting frustrated um, because they're looking at four walls. So yeah. May the 5th comes, a little bit of hope there. People are saying, well, okay, maybe they'll let us walk a bit further than two kilometres. Maybe, maybe I can get back to yeah. work. So yeah. what, what happens if no restrictions are lifted on May the 5th? How do you think that's going to go down? It's not going to go down well, Noel. However... I feel May the 5th is going to come along, and I'll tell you what's going to happen, which should happen, which can happen. Uh, hairdressers, all them things can open back up. What well, hairdressers, is, hairdressers will be the last ones, probably, because well, they're no, direct contact with people, aren't they? No, not necessarily. Listen to me. Barbers and hairdressers, no, you can let two and three in at a time. Barbers especially, you can have people yeah, if they want to stand outside. Fine. No, but listen, just hear me out. You have to get businesses back together. I agree with that. Yeah. Elderly and all, I mean, this business of people cocooning, if that's, if they want to, let them cocoon. It's all, it's safe enough for them to get out and walk, I feel, if they're keeping social. We're all trained at the moment now, Noel. There was a time of you were... Well, well hang on, you, you started stuff. the conversation by saying uh, lawbreakers are scumbags. Now you're telling me there's nothing wrong with an old person getting out and getting a bit of exercise. From the 5th of May. If the state oh, from the 5th of May, okay. all right, okay. Yeah, so, so, when, so when the state says so. All right, okay. If the state are happy with that, I thought we went. I didn't, I didn't think you were the type that would be led and said, but however, go on, Frank, continue. No, I like to go along, Noel. I like to go away with yeah, the no, way I, things are. And, and, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But oh. I just said I didn't think you were the type that was led and said, but go on. Oh, but you're the one that brought up the 5th of May. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I didn't yeah, think you were the I'm type. Saying, you asked me what do I think will happen from the 5th of May. That's what I'm telling you, I think. And, and if, no, if nothing happens on the 5th of May, if the, the threat that Simon and Leo made the other day, in other words, you said, all not behaving yourselves, so we might have to extend it on the 5th of May. I mean, I, which I thought was a bit of a guilt trip, however, but in saying that, I understand the point they're making. I mean, if that is extended, say, by another three weeks on the 5th of May, how do you feel about that, Frank? No problem. You'll be all right Absolutely no problem. And you think people should just stick to us? Just go along with it. And how long, how long should people just go along with it? Until as long as it's acceptable. Until you're told. End of story. Until, until you're told. Yeah, until you're told. That's it, Noel. That's oh, okay, it. okay. Well, well, hang on a second. Let me get back to the app as well. Alan, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Alan? Good, Noel. Good, Alan. I mean, you don't agree with the app, no? Uh, I agree with no app that tracks anyone that's the government app. Um, so I go back. So we used to have company vehicles that were tracked. And even the data commissioner will not allow that data to be shared with the company. No. So I don't know how the data commissioner is actually allowing this to happen. Well, I think there is going to be caveats in there that it will have to go into a central agency uh, that, it, that you know, it won't be shared from one phone to another, but it'll all go back to a central agency. But in saying that, if you get COVID and you present yourself in hospital, Alan, and you've signed up to the app, now it is an opt-in, and they'll be able to see in your phone who you've been close to. Yeah, but then you're you're then sharing location data. Yes, yes, with yes. Thousands of other people yes. that have got nothing to do with it who may yes. not find up and may have location turned on on their phone. Yes. But no, yeah. that's why I would say no to that straight away. I'm not a scumbag 
I'm law-abiding citizen, but I'm saying no to that. Straight away. There you go, Frank. He's not, a, he's not a scumbag, but he, he, but he values his privacy. Yeah. I mean, look at... They'll know where you got your pizza from. They'll know if you were on Red Tube. What's the big deal? <laughs> Red Tube. No, I, I came across, I came across the checkpoint this morning. If you're not doing anything illegal, what's your big problem with it? I came across a checkpoint this morning with a guard. A guard says to me, where are you going? I said, work. He says, what's your name? I said, what? You even know my name for what? He has what's your name? Well, well, Hang on. He says, what's your name? I said, I said, why do you want me to know my name for? I said, I've already told you where I'm going. The car is fully taxed and insured and everything else. I have a letter here from work that states where I'm going. Why do you even know my name for? At that point, he says, actually, we don't need to know your name. On you go. I'd say you felt great driving up the road that you stood up to a guard. No, I don't. I don't. Because you wanted to know your name. Big deal. What are you, some sort of international you're, second terrorist? You're, you're, trying to give, you're trying to give the guards too much power. You want to give them everything away. People like you... Yeah, but, but, but in, say, in saying that, Alan, you know, if the guard was polite and just asked your name, I don't see an issue with giving them your name. I, I, don't, I don't see the reason for being awkward. I mean, I understand legally, technically, he doesn't have the right to... Same way as they don't have the right to arrest people from Northern Ireland coming down on a day trip, as we found out yesterday. Although they will have, the, they still have the right to ask them to turn around and go back where they came from, but they don't have a right power to arrest. But and I know a guard doesn't have a right to ask your name unless he's charging you with something, or has a suspicion that you've done something wrong. Now, in saying that, it's just common courtesy when a guard stops you and they say, you know, what's your name? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm entitled to my rights. Will you, oh, holy will, Jesus. Will, you, will you are? I'm not, I'm not saying you're not. Well, listen, I, I, and I respect right, so and I respect that, Alan. Because there was no need for so any other checkpoint. So I've been on the road since all this started. I never once. Been at a checkpoint where they said, "What's your name?" They've always said, "They've always said, where are you going?" Have you got a letter to prove why? Yeah, no, I agree. Which I've been stopped at numerous checkpoints myself. I have a letter in my front window, you know, saying I work in media and essential yeah, service. What's your name? Yeah, and, I, but, and I've never been asked my name personally. No. Yeah, so that's why I said, "Why do you need to know?" Because for me, is why do you need to know? So why is why is that rule now changed with guards now starting to ask people their names at checkpoints? What's all that about? See, Frank, I think I think the point Alan is making is once you allow one thing. It just roller coasters into a free reign, and that, I think that's that's the concern people have, Frank. And you don't understand that concern. But Niall, if, like that chap there, I think you all everyone is missing the point, Niall, when it comes to identification and people watching you. We look at you're given a TPS number when you're born, yeah, yeah. That sticks with you for good. Everybody knows that that chap has a number on the back of his card that relates to his name and is an address. Everything, Niall. Every single bill that comes to your home is name and address. Everything. So this business of people think they're going around, no one knows me. <laughs> is there something wrong with them? No, but I, but he, all he's doing is standing up for his own rights. He, what he's, right, Noel? What right? But, but hang, on, well, hang on, hang on. Like, for example, you have rights, and I'm going to take the extreme, right? A guard doesn't have the right to stop you in your car unless, firstly, he has a suspicion you've done something wrong. Now, at a checkpoint, of course, they can. Uh, he doesn't have a right to pull you out on the street and put handcuffs on you for no reason at all, right? Because there's laws against that. The guards must abide by the laws and the rules of, the, uh, uh, you know, of this country as well. The point Alan is making is the law states that the guard doesn't have the right to ask your name unless he has a suspicion that you've done something wrong. Now, in saying that, I would agree with you, Frank, and I don't agree with Alan, but he's entitled to his view that if a guard said to me in a polite manner, hey, where are you heading? Going to work? What's your name? Niall Boylan. I wouldn't have a problem giving me name. I don't have a problem with giving me name. You know what I mean? But in saying that, if Alan has an issue with that, he's perfectly entitled to his rights. Because if you start abandoning your rights, where will we end up? Well, listen, Niall, ask Alan there if he came across the Ask him yourself. Alan, if you came across the checkpoint there, let's just say for argument's sake, and I don't want to lecture, I'm just asking a simple question. 
If you had no tax on the car, yeah? Well, I've no tax on the car. If I've no tax on the car, I'm breaking the law. So no, I would then just, have no, the listen, right tax on I it. said, Alan, I, I didn't want, I just want a simple yes or no. If you had no tax on your car, all right, and he or she stopped you, and you know you've no tax on your car, and that nice guard says to you, how are you, sir? What's your name? I'm sure like a light you tell them your name, Alan. And you wouldn't be giving them crap about you've no right to yeah, ask but, 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 but in saying that, they would have a right to ask him his name then if he's broken the law. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.